They're going to bring a word to us tonight. Brother Mitchell's going to preach. I want to ask everybody to be here for the service at 6 o'clock this evening. I believe God's got a word to give to us tonight. I have something in my heart that God has put within me, and I'm going to preach for the next little while. I want to direct your attention to Isaiah, to the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, 54, 55, are incredible, incredible uh, passages for you and I as believers. And in case you weren't aware of it, the song that the praise team just led you in came from the book of Isaiah. I want to direct your attention to Isaiah chapter 54, verse 10. These are the words of the Lord. And the Lord said, For the mountains shall depart, and the hills be removed. Think about that just for a minute. The mountains shall depart, the hills be removed. Travel in your mind up to East Tennessee and see those beautiful smoky mountains and think about the mountains departing and the hills being removed. It sounds like an impossibility to us. But God said, For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from thee. Just think about it. Think about the hills being moved and the impossibility of that. And God said, The mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from thee. Neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed, saith the Lord that hath mercy on thee. It kind of sounds to me like it doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter who's doing what. God has given us a promise, and God is good to his word. If he said it, we believe it. You can take it to the bank. It's established. It's settled. I want to bring to you this thought for the next little while. Prepare for the blessing. Prepare for the blessing. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you today for this opportunity to assemble ourselves together. We thank you for this privilege of being able to be in the house of the Lord today in your presence. I ask that you'd help me bring this word that you've put in my heart for this morning, and I pray that you'd help us to receive. We pray that your, your purpose, your will be done. You be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you're seated. The Apostle Paul brings us the words that are powerful, that are true, that are lasting. In Romans chapter 8, verse 1, he starts his discourse with this simple statement, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Look at it closely. He says, There is therefore now. Somebody say now. Now, at this moment, right now, today, here and now, August 15th, 2021, there is therefore now no. Somebody say no. There is no. Zip, zero, nada. There is therefore right now at this moment no condemnation. Somebody say condemnation. The word simply means there is no bad verdict. There is no adverse sentence. There is no judgment against. There is therefore now no condemnation because we are in Christ Jesus. We have his spirit. Jesus gave us freedom. 
Paul goes on to say in that second verse, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. We do not have to be bound to something that is non-existent. This is a word somebody needs to receive this morning, and I've already started preaching. We do not have to be bound to something that is non-existent. Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 34, 35, and 36, He answered, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin, and the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the Son abideth ever. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Free indeed. Shame, guilt, fear, torment, doubt, self-condemnation, self-loathing, all these things he came to make us free. And all these things are unnecessary strongholds that can be broken today, right now. Everybody say now. Years ago, I, I was pastoring in Bloomington, Indiana. You guys know this. And so years ago in Bloomington, Indiana, it was during a weekday. I don't remember the exact day, but it was during a weekday. We had met this nice young man by the name of Marcus. So Marcus was interested in walking with God. He was hungry, and he met with me at the church during the day, similar to all this stuff that's going on around, around here now. I love the fact that there's almost every day of the week somebody's getting baptized. Don't you like that? So years ago, it was during a weekday, I was, I was at the church. I was meeting with Marcus, and I was getting ready to baptize Marcus. And so I'm sitting on the altar explaining to him about salvation. And I took his attention to the Scripture that all of us know in Acts 2.38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So I'm sitting there, and I'm explaining to Marcus. I'm talking to him about salvation. And I'm talking to him about believing. You know, that's where it starts. you got to believe. And so I talked to him about believing, and I talked to him about repenting, and I talked to him about baptism, and I talked to him about Holy Ghost infilling. And as I'm explaining repentance and forgiveness and remission of sins, I happen to refer to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 15, 16, and 17. The writer says, Whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us that after that he had said before, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them. And verse 17, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. So I'm sitting here doing my pastoral thing, and I'm talking to him, and I'm leading him into this as we get ready to go into the waters of baptism. He's already hungry. He's already been praying, and here I am beginning to explain some things. And I come to Hebrews 10, 17, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. It's a wonder that I'm alive to preach to you this morning. Because at that point, Marcus exploded out of where he was sitting. He exploded up, just straight up in the air. He exploded. He jumped and he yelled and he began to say, no more, no more, no more. And ran around the building crying, no more, no more, no more. You see, he grabbed a hold of it. 
He grabbed hold of the fact when Jesus says free indeed. Marcus grabbed hold of the fact of what free indeed really meant. It meant no more. It meant I don't have to be looking over my shoulder worrying about my past catching up with me. No more. Jesus said free indeed, and when Jesus said free indeed, he meant really free. He meant certainly free. He meant of a truth, you are free. Without equivocation, without conditions attached, with no hidden small print, he just said you are free free. You're free. You're not getting a bill in the mail tomorrow. You're not looking at a contract that you overlook part of. He said, I'm going to make you free. And if the Son makes you free, you're free indeed. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You see, when we repent, which simply means that we are sorry for our sins and repentance is more than shedding a crocodile tear. It's more than just concerned over the fact that we got caught in something. Repentance is a sorrow that leads to a turning around in our life. And when we repent, he forgives. And when he forgives, he forgets. Oh, I wish somebody would help me preach for a little while. When we repent, he forgives. And when he forgives, he forgets. It's not like the story of the husband and wife coming to the pastor for counseling. And the husband looked at the, wife, or looked at the pastor and said, Pastor, every time that we get into an argument, my wife gets historical. Y'all heard this before, but I'm going to say it anyway. And the pastor thought he'd correct him and said, don't you mean she gets hysterical? He said, no, she gets historical. She keeps bringing up my past. We got that kind of situation in our life. You got all kinds of people. Come on, help me preach. You got all kinds of people that will help you remember the way you used to be. But when you come to an altar and say, God, forgive me for what I've done, God says, I don't remember what you did. Because when I forgive, I forget. It's gone. It's behind you. When we repent, he forgives. And when he forgives, he forgets. And when we are baptized in his name, we receive remission of sins. You know what that means? That means they're put away. They're removed from. We're pardoned. We're delivered. We're freed from. And no wonder Marcus could jump around and say, no more, no more, no more. When we repent, he forgives. And when he forgives, he forgets. And when we're baptized in his name, we receive, we receive remission of sins. They're put away. They're removed. They're pardoned. They're deliver, we're delivered from them. We're freed from them. Why do you think that we insist that you repent of your sins and get baptized in the name of the Lord for remission of your sins? It's not so we can keep track of how many people we're baptizing we celebrate on Sundays, Pastor Marshall, not so we can keep a tally or a number, but honey, we want you to know what freedom is really like. We want you to know what having your past disconnected from you is really like. And then when we are filled with his spirit, life comes. His life, abundant life. You see, he moves in and lives with us. Y'all just have to put up with me 
I haven't preached in two weeks. So just endure me. Come on. Just hang in here with me. I ain't going to be real long. The Bible goes on to say, Paul writes to us in Romans 8, 2, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do. He's talking about the law that was given by Moses that was teaching people how to live godly, righteous lives. But the law was inadequate because there was no spiritual power connected to it. It was just what we do. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. We realize today that we cannot live righteously in our own human ability. What the law could not do in it was weak in the flesh. God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. That's us. And for sin. Condemn sin in the flesh. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, it's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But, poke your neighbor and say, but, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so, be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any, you know what dwell means? That means he lives in you. That means you didn't just come to a Pentecostal church on a Sunday morning and feel something. That means you opened up and received him and he's moved in. The spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. And I love this. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead. Do y'all, have y'all ever heard this story? That Jesus died? Y'all ever heard that? He was stone cold dead. I mean, he was one day away from stinketh. That's what they said of Lazarus. He was dead four days, and Mary said, by now he stinketh. Jesus was on his third day, so he was, I wish y'all would help me. He was one day away from stinketh. But on that resurrection morning, something moved into that dead, cold body, and the quickening power of the Holy Ghost raised that dead body to life. And if that same spirit dwells in you, it will also quicken your mortal bodies. You know why preachers have to get up and kind of try to turn the crank to get people motivated? It's because those they're trying to turn the crank on don't have the Holy Ghost. Oh, y'all missed it. I'm going to say it again. Those that they're trying to turn the crank on don't have the Holy Ghost. But if you've got the Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, you've got life in your body. You've got life in your being. That Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, it shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Let's clap our hands to the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see, God knows where we are and God cares. And I'm leading to that point. 
I didn't forget where we were and where we started. Just kind of building up to that. Look at your neighbor and say, God knows and God cares. And for those of you that don't like doing this, which I know there's about 100 of you, look at your neighbor and say, I don't like turning to my neighbor and saying stuff. I get your feedback. Those of you that are visitors, we don't, we don't have forms that you fill out and give feedback. We just get caught out in the hall. So we get your feedback. God knows and God cares. A.W. Tozer wrote it this way. He said to us who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us in the gospel. How unutterably sweet is the knowledge that our Heavenly Father knows us completely. Listen close to these words. No tailbearer can inform on us, and no enemy can make an accusation stick. No forgotten skeleton can come tumbling out of some hidden closet to abash us and expose our past. No unsuspected weakness in our character can come to light to turn God away from us since he knew us utterly before we knew him and called us to himself in the full knowledge of everything that was against us. When somebody comes up and says, don't you remember? When somebody opens the door to that closet and tries to bring the skeleton of your past out into the open, you don't have to worry. You don't have to fret over it. Because you're God. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost pushing me. Your God knows what that closet held. And your God has already forgiven you. And when he forgives, he forgets. It doesn't matter what you did before you came into a relationship with the Lord. It doesn't matter who you were before you came into a relationship with the Lord. When you came into a relationship with the Lord, he made you new and he changed your name. And you need to give you need to celebrate him right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The text scripture Isaiah 54, verse 10. The Lord said, For the mountains shall depart, and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from thee. Neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed, saith the Lord, that hath mercy on thee. One of my life verses is a great consolation. It's 1 Peter chapter 5, that whole chapter I love dearly. God, about 30 years ago, directed some things in my life. But in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, Peter said, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. When you look at this passage of Scripture, it's, right, it's coming from a man that had said he would never fail the Lord, yet he did comes from a man that said he would never leave the side of the Lord, but he did. It comes from a man that 
looked the Lord in the eye and said, you can count on me, but he denied knowing him. You see, in Luke 22, Peter looked Jesus in the eye and he said, Lord, I'm ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. And Jesus looked back at him and he said, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Thank you. In the middle of all that was going on, on that night when Jesus had been led away, in the middle of all of what was going on, I want you to look at this verse of Scripture. In Luke twenty-two sixty-one, And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord <clears throat> that he had said unto him before the cock crow, Thou shalt deny me thrice. The Lord turned and looked upon. These eight words <clears throat> sum up the nature of our Lord. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. He knows our frame. He remembers that we are but dust. He knew our inborn treachery, yet he engaged to save us. He walked among us. He felt our pains and the intensity of our anguish. His knowledge of our afflictions and adversities is more than just a theory. It's a personal, warm, compassionate relationship. Whatever may befall us, God knows and God cares like no one else can. That's why Isaiah 54 verse 10 is so powerful. For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from thee. Neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed, saith the Lord that hath mercy on thee. This whole time of preaching, and I'm sorry that my voice is starting to, starting to wane, but this whole time of preaching, these words that you've heard, it's been over a thousand words that I've thrown out there at you. The focus has been on the nature of God, and God wants us to have an understanding of it. But the other day I was writing, as I was praying and the Lord was talking to me, I wrote this down. That God wants to bless, but we must prepare for the blessing. I'm going to give you three points, and then we'll tie it together. First one is preparation precedes blessing. Say that with me. Preparation precedes blessing. Look at me and say it back to me. Preparation precedes blessing. We all, pardon me, we all know about preparation. We just got back from our awesome family vacation. And I told you all ago, it's been almost two years since we've been together. You know what it's like to prepare for a vacation? You got you to gotta have your money, the finances, the logistics, the itinerary, your tickets, your lodging. You got to take care of all of that. There's a lot of, a lot of preparation. We prepare in our life for emergencies. We prepare for babies to come. We did this baby dedication a while ago. Wes and Myra's got this other little girl coming along here shortly. 
Y'all can have it anytime after the service is over. But we are preparing for babies. We prepare for marriage. We got two couples in this room that are preparing for marriage. And by the way, have y'all read the book that I gave you? There's no response. They may not be in this room. We prepare for retirement. That's what Pastor Todd is doing to me. He keeps hounding me, prepare for your retirement. He doesn't do it that bad. I mean, just exaggerated it. And then some of us, some of y'all, not me yet, but some of y'all are preparing for passing away. You're making your final arrangements and all that stuff. Jesus, Jesus was one that prepared. The Bible said in John 14, verse 1, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. So here's what I want you to get a hold of. If we believe, we should prepare. To prepare means that we expect we get what we prepare for. Now, surprises come in our life, and accidents happen, and we understand that. And when surprises come and accidents happen, we go into recovery. And a lot of children of God, are y'all still with me? A lot of children of God seem like they're always trying to recover. Oh, I wish y'all would help me right now. I'm not talking about recovery from I'm talking about preparation for. This is not a recovery message. This is a preparation message. Preparation precedes receiving the promise. The second point, I'm already on point two, so if y'all missed out, y'all been listening too slow. Second point is preparation is expectation. God spoke this to me, and I want to say it clearly. God spoke this to me a couple of days ago. He said this, my people must believe. Belief is known by expectation. Expectation is shown by preparation. My people must believe. Belief is shown or known by expectation. Expectation is shown by preparation. We were at church last Sunday in Eustace, Florida, visiting with some friends of ours. And we are, we are those people. Me and Bonnie are. The kids went to Disney World. But me and Bonnie, we went to church last Sunday. We're that people that goes to church on vacation. Y'all do what you want to, but we like to find a church to go to. So we were at church last Sunday morning, and my wife turned around to me and God had put something in her heart and she literally looked at me and she said, we need to prepare. And she's talking about a ministry, Pastor Marshall. God is about to bring explosive growth in one of the ministries here in this church. And she says, we need to be preparing for it. The context of our scripture or the context of the text is that it's that fact of preparation. I want you to look close and I'm gonna start tying this together. In Isaiah chapter 54 and verse 1, the prophet said, Sing, O barren, thou that did not bear, break forth into singing and cry aloud, thou that did not travail with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife, saith the Lord. Enlarge the place of thy tent, and let them stretch forth the curtains of thine habitations. 
Spare not, lengthen thy cord, strengthen thy stakes. For thou shalt break forth on the right hand and on the left, and thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles, and make desolate cities to be inhabited. Fear not, for thou shalt not be ashamed. Neither be thou confounded, for thou shalt not be put to shame. For thou shalt forget the shame of thy youth, and shall not remember the reproach of thy widowhood any more. For thy maker is thine husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the God of the whole earth, shall he be called. For the Lord hath called thee as a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit and a wife of youth, when thou wast refreshed, saith thy God. For a small moment <coughs> have I forsaken thee, but with great mercies will I gather thee. In a little wrath I hid my face from thee for a moment, but with everlasting kindness will I have mercy on thee, saith the Lord thy Redeemer. For this is as the waters of Noah unto me, for as I have sworn that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth, so have I sworn that I would not be wroth with thee nor rebuke thee. For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from thee, neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed, saith the Lord that hath mercy on thee. You see, this is a setting of Scripture that is a prophecy with promise. Isaiah 53, it was a prophecy of Jesus. Isaiah 53, 4. Surely he hath borne our griefs, carried our sorrows. We did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. I read to you that scripture, Isaiah 54. And the blessing is secured because the Lamb of God, our Lord, paid for it. But I want you to notice I want you to notice how it starts in Isaiah 54, verse 1. The Word of God said, Sing, <clears throat> O barren, thou that did not bear. Break forth into singing, cry aloud, thou that did not travail with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife, saith the Lord. There is a descriptive word that stands out. What was it? Barren. Everybody say barren. Barren. Barren means sterile. Barren comes from the root word that means plucked up by the root. It means to hamstring. It actually means to exterminate. When you see the word barren, the indication is of incompletion, of inability, of infertility of lifelessness, of weakness. But most of all, when you see the word barren, you're reminded of the word futureless. There is no future. But look at what God said. And I want you to listen close. Ignore my voice and listen to this. Look at what God said. The first word was not barren. The first word was, say it, say it. Say it. Everybody say it. The first word was not barren. The first word was sing. Rejoice. Celebrate. Be happy. It's quoted in the New Testament. Paul takes our attention to it. In Galatians chapter 4 verse 27. 
For it is written, Rejoice, thou barren that bearest not. Break forth and cry, thou that travailest not. For the desolate hath many more children than she which hath an husband. I want you to notice the message for the hurting for the empty, for the barren, for the futureless. I'm talking to somebody this morning that feels like there is no hope past today. But the, song, or the, the writer said, Sing, O barren, thou that did not bear, break forth into singing. Cry aloud, thou that did not travail with child, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife, saith the Lord. Let the barren sing. You did not bear a child, but bust out singing. You didn't have a child, but cry aloud with joy as, you, as if you had more than anybody around you. This is not about literal childbirth. This is a prophecy to the people of God that we're in a place of desolation and isolation, and God's got a word for his people. Don't matter what it looks like right now. You go ahead and raise your voice and sing because the promise is coming. And in the third and final point, preparation is the declaration of expectation. Preparation is the declaration of expectation. Y'all, do me a favor and, and don't quit before me and the Lord do. Because I'm about five minutes from being done. God put this in my heart about three weeks ago that we need to quit giving reports and we need to start making declarations. I'm going to say it again. We need to quit giving reports and we need to start making declarations. There's a huge difference. A report, that's what the news is, y'all. A report is something that is. A report is saying I'm sick. A report is saying my family's away from God. A report is saying I don't have enough money. A report is saying this is how things are. But a declaration is altogether different. A declaration is a statement of what is about to happen. Healing, deliverance, provision. That's a declaration. And the report here in Isaiah 54, the report is that She's barren, childless, futureless. But belief is known by expectation, and expectation is shown by preparation. Look at the scripture, the very next verse. After it said, you've been barren, this is the report. You've been futureless, this is the report. But here is the declaration. Enlarge the place of thy tent. Come on now. Enlarge the place of thy tent. Let them stretch forth the curtains of thine habitation. Spare not, lengthen thy cord, strengthen thy stake, for thou shalt break forth on the right hand and on the left, and thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. Fear not. For thou shalt not be ashamed, neither be thou confounded, for thou shalt not be put to shame. For thou shalt forget the shame of thy youth, and shalt not remember the approach or reproach of thy widowhood anymore. For thy maker, your Lord, somebody say my Lord. 
For the Lord, your maker, is thine husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And thy redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the God of the whole earth, shall he be called. It doesn't matter what it looks like right now. What matters is God's declared this over your life. And that's who you are. And that's who he is. You see, there's a difference. I feel the Holy Ghost pushing me. There's a difference between a report and a declaration. We started a while ago with that scripture in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation. There is no judgment against. There is no verdict against. There is no sentence over. I don't know all y'all that's in this room today because I haven't had the privilege of meeting all of you, but I'm pretty sure that there are some of y'all that you've got some things in your life that you would like for your church family to not hear about. Don't you worry about that. You're in the right place. We're not here to judge you. The moment you repent of your sins, God forgives you, and we don't hold it against you. Am I in the right place? But here's what God wanted me to let you know. It doesn't matter what your past looked like. Barren may have been your ex-name, but fruitful is who God has called you to be. And the report, the report was childless, barren, futureless. The report was convicted of this. The report was, this is the diagnosis. The report was, this is what they did, and this is who they were, and this is what they'd done. But the declaration of God, it says, I'm going to tell you something. You need to go ahead and sing. You need to go ahead and rejoice. You need to go ahead and celebrate because that's what you used to be. This is who you are in me. You enlarge your tent. You add on to the house. You lengthen the cords. You strengthen the stakes. You're about to bust out on the right hand and on the left. You get ready for a blessing. You prepare for a blessing. You prepare. Preparation for the blessing. You see, as we prepare, minds expand and our movements change. Hearts expand and our empathy grows. And vision clears and preparation proceeds. Why? Because we believe. Because we know who we believe and because we know that he is able. God said it, Isaiah 54, 10, For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from thee. Everybody repeat after me. The smoky mountains will become as flat. Y'all ain't, y'all ain't paying. Come on, y'all deal. Help me. Please help me. Let's start all over. The smoky mountains will become as flat as the Missouri River bottomland. Okay, we did good on that. You don't have to repeat after me. I just wanted you to say it, that the smoky mountains in East Tennessee will become as flat as the Missouri River bottomlands in extreme West Tennessee. You know that part over there. 
If you're from there, thank God for deliverance. But the Smoky Mountains will become as flat as the Missouri River bottomlands before the kindness of God will depart from you. You'll no longer have a place to go in East Tennessee because the mountains are flat before the covenant of the peace of God is removed from your life. Get your head wrapped around it. God said you used to be barren. I'm declaring you fruitful. You go ahead and prepare for your blessing. Let's stand together. Come on, let's, let's lift our hands to the Lord for a moment. It's the words of God. He said, my covenant, my kindness is not going to leave you. My covenant is not going to be removed from you. My mercy is everlasting. It's going nowhere. I want to tell somebody in this room this morning, you're in the right place at the right time because God wants you to be so far removed from who you used to be that it'll become a distant memory. You will not even, you'll not even feel like the same person anymore because God is making a declaration over your life. Put your hand on the shoulder of that person that you're standing by and start praying for them right now. Come on, in the name of Jesus. Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for what you've declared. We thank you for what your word has stated. We thank you for what you've done. We thank you for who you are. And we come to you right now just praying that strongholds would be broken. Lord, that that self-condemnation, that self-loathing, those things of guilt and despair and fear and doubt, those things would be broken in this room this morning and that your people that you've entered into an agreement with would walk forward and begin to apprehend the blessing that you have for their life. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I feel the power of God in this place. I think you need to begin moving out wherever you are. You Something happened while the word of God was going forth. Something quickened in you. I, I think you need to walk down as a state your own declaration that I believe the word of God I'm going to grab hold of the word of God our praise team is going to begin singing come on down you got people that want to pray with you you've got a God that wants to do something special for you make way for those in the middle those that are in the middle of the section make way for them to get out but come on let's gather around let's gather come on let's gather let's gather and lift our hands to the Lord and let's sing this let's pray let's reach out let's receive from God this morning Hallelujah. 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 That's it. We're getting ready to do a baptism here in just a moment. We got some beautiful children that are about to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Come on, why don't you why don't you reach out after the Lord today? Hallelujah. 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 Of the goodness of God.
goodness of the Lord this morning the goodness of God hallelujah I believe there's going to be a shift in some people's lives this morning because of the goodness of our God and the word has went forth this morning but for there to be that shift in your life and I know there are people responding this morning but we have to respond to the Lord we have to respond with faith and call on his name and believe him for the blessing and believe him for the miracle. They're going to sing it again. Pastor David's fixing to do a baptism. They're going to sing it again. And I want you to just lift your hands and begin to worship and call on the Lord. He wants to bring you into that new season. He wants to bring you into that new place. And let's call on him and believe him and let the work be done in our lives this morning. Can I get someone to say praise the Lord? Hallelujah. Let's sing it. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, we thank you for that work that you're wanting to do, that you're doing this morning, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, my life, Good God. 